It's the Cock and Bull Podcast, a weekly comedy and history show where my older brother and I tell true stories with unbelievable characters. I would be Spencer Faust, the man who, before recording this, said, um, all right, it's podcast time, so I switched into a different pair of sweatpants. Ah, yes, yes, and I would be uh, uh, another person who's also on the show, who whose identity will remain anonymous, um, <laughs> and I, I get d- committed to my cause by going into my closet of sadness that I uh, do all these recordings in. So I am, I am committed to this. I'm staring at a weird wall of of, of floor. I've added new uh, new dressings. To the closet, the pod closet, as I'm now calling it. Is that it. right? I have. I've Is added, that right? I've added a very colorful, almost, uh, almost, I don't know, South American inspired, like serape style blanket. Um, I'm really, really just trying to get a good, uh, a good vibe in here, good energy. Marie Kondo, Marie Kondo <laughs> told me that I should throw out things that don't inspire joy, so uh, I put some more carpet up on my walls. Would you? How many auctions are there in Franklin County where you can you can maybe find like a ye olde tapestry to, to uh, drape upon no, the no, wall? No, no, a tapestry. Uh, trust me, because when you Google, um, how do you soundproof a room, and you're trying to get like on the budget tips for soundproofing your room, they're like, don't go buy acoustic foam. Go get a large blanket. Or tapestry, and they or said tapestry. this in the year of our Lord 2018. And where the fuck are a tapestry and an old blanket in the same realm? That that person's a time traveler. I'm convinced. Um, and I, I don't. Well, that I might, don't it might have it. been sound. It might have been soundproofing tips for Jerusalem, like for your Jerusalem studio apartment I mean, where you have maybe, tapestries. I, I mean, it's like uh, if I needed to soundproof my red wall. I don't know fanfic, maybe, but this just—it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. Did that same article recommend like tiling your bathroom floor with like spirit boards? It, Was uh, that? It, uh, yeah, you know what? I should have known it when it said that you needed to bring uh, bring your chakras in line with the uh, with the humors in your in your outhouse. I've lost the thread. Please God, start the funny. I've I I can't. In I late can't carry January, this. in late January of 1747, a poor boy named Timothy Dexter was born in Malden, Massachusetts. All right, we have we have good old turn turn of brand new America. We have yeah, the Northeast, yeah, it's coming up. and we have the Poors. Somebody call me a Dickens. We're entering America's origin story here. We're about like thirty years out. Uh, so, um, um, no, no, no. The origin, the huh? origin is a couple hundred years <laughs> earlier when we started slaughtering Native Americans. That's the gritty origin story that they're not that we're not talking about. This is more like the. Soup uh, adventure comics number one story of of America. Like the, we pretend none of the bad stuff happened, and we just start with weird tights and patriotism. It's you can't really pigeonhole America into one dark origin story. It's really several dark arcs that never seem to stop or get better. There's a brief ten years in the Roaring Twenties where it looks like it's okay, oh! and then I, nope. Af, no, after that, no. It's, no. Yes, yes, the the well-known periods of prohibition, gangsterism, the Great Gatsby, and then a depression. Yeah, the 20s were awesome. I've seen the Great Gatsby. You got to party around with, with Jay Gatsby, Leo DiCaprio, and you can get and shot in the pool. And then you die! Yeah. <laughs> Live fast and die young. Oh, okay, okay, Fast and the Furious. Didn't know that was our model for America. You can tell it's been a while since we've done this because we won't let each other finish a fucking sentence. No, but that's part of our charm. That's we're, oh, we're so catty and back and forth. He was dirty. Our boy was what? dirty. Unlike everyone in, in the Great Gatsby, he what? was dirty and what? poor. How dirty do you have to be in 1700s America to be noted as dirty? Like how much above? Like you have to have like visible stink lines coming off of you for that to be an actual thing that is added to your description. But worst of all, 
dirty and poor, I can forgive that. Worst of all, uneducated. He was a dumb dumb too. Oh, Just like good. me. A, a, a terrible dumb dumb. A dirty, uneducated poor man. This good, good. I feel like he's ripe for exploitation. Thus far, we've lined up with everything James Earl Ray had. So that's, it's a perfect Venn diagram. They've yeah, all met. They maybe overlap. he'll murder John Brown in this weird alt fiction. I don't know. What other civil rights leader could he, is he going to murder Harriet Tubman in this weird alt history? Obviously, he wasn't born with the silver spoon in his mouth. Nor was he even born within a half mile of the silver spoon. Honestly, From did he have a spoon? I, th these feel like spork people to me. Ah, this is bare, dirty, clawed hands, just raking in the, the dredge. <laughs> God damn it. From age eight, this poor little dirty boy, this dumb, dumb, dirty boy, uh, he was a farmhand starting at age eight. Oh, that, uh, I mean, that's, that's an early age to start being anything other than a person who doesn't wet their pants. I he was a wee sprout picking and sewing wee sprouts of his own. Like, I think that's nice and symbolic. Uh, when he was 16. Six, no, oh, when he was doubled his age. He's been a, he's been a farmhand yes. as long as he's been alive at this point. Yes, basically for half his life, he's been a farmhand. Uh, but at 16, he manages to earn an apprenticeship working for a leather dresser. Ooh, uh, what, uh, what now? He's a leather uh, boy now, a skin man. I, <laughs> he right. dries the skin now, and he makes say, it into tough skin. You said you said a leather, and I I expected like like leather worker or like I I don't know, but but I've never heard the phrase leather dresser to describe anything other than uh uh again people who are into a very specific kind of uh of play, and I am all here for you, leather daddies. But uh, but yeah, what what is that? What is what is a leather dresser? Why is he doing this? I'm, ass I'm assuming he he like puts oils on the skin and then turns it into leather. I'm assuming he's making leather better. We're making a lot of assumptions about a thing called leather dressing, and I just want you to know I'm not okay with that. Hey, it's 2019. I don't think I need to know what leather dressing is anymore. I can go oh. to J. Crew and get all of these things in one convenient roof. This this episode of the Cockable brought to you by J. Crew. Thanks, J. Crew, for the sponsorship. I was trying to be subtle about it. They, all, if I could naturally slip it in, they were going to give me an extra twenty and some khakis. <laughs> so, so after six years of learning the the leather industry, of learning the trade, still no formal education, just a leather education and farm, no rich parents to speak of, he somehow crawls out of Malden. And into Newburyport, which based on names alone is infinitely richer than Malden. That is also too many ads to the back. Like you can be Newbury or Newport or but but Newburyport is nonsense. You're 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 <laughs> you're adding too many names together. Pick one or get out of the bar. I'm just and again based on names alone, I'm sold. Get me a house. Get me three houses in Newburyport. It could be Berryport, it could be Portberry, it could be Newberry, but not not Newburyport. That's just that's that sounds like a weird off-brand Kirkland wine and I'm not I, I I'm not okay with it. Crime is in the negative. The school district's great. They've never even heard of a Sitco. They've never they've never seen a Casey's General Store. Don't you don't you besmirch the name of Casey's Good Good General Store. I will happily besmirch Casey's don't General Store any day of the Casey's, week. Casey's it's all good. Casey's it's all right. Home of Piccadilly Pizza. Casey's General no, Store. No gas station should make and deliver pizza. Uh I don't know, man. Have you been in late Pick stage capitalism? We gotta do what we gotta do to survive, okay? Pick 
pick do you do gasoline or pizza make up your fucking mind i don't know why why multitasking is that the one man band is a favorite of everyone and the the one man fuel and fuel for me fuel for my car fuel for me i thank you casey's i've come up with your new logan slogan i'm just oh fuck <laughs> we are getting oh man guys this is not boating well <laughs> It is Lucy Goosey. Eight up minutes in, here. in, and all we've done is get this fucker to Newberry Port. This is not going well. Well, it was a Newberry Port that Timothy managed to hold a woman's attention for more than five minutes, and she was enthralled by his pauper charm. What? Her name was El- her what name was is- Elizabeth Frothingham. Oh, you fuck off! Fuck off! No, it's not. <laughs> no, it was Elizabeth it was. Frothingham, and that's not an NPC from a D and D game. That is my new D&D character, by the way. The Frothinghams are my new, is the new clan in my next D&D campaign. I'm so into it. She was swooning for Timothy in an instant. And before long, Elizabeth and Timothy were betrothed. See, there are happy endings in the cock and bull, aren't there? No, Eliz- no, because this <laughs> is not, if this is the end of the episode, yes, thank you. We'd like to thank Driftless Pony Club, yada, yada. This was a short one, guys. It was weird. Guy was eight. He had kids. He got, no, no. What? Tell me why it gets bad. Elizabeth, by the way, was a widow, a what? wealthy widow, an whoa, obscenely. Whoa, whoa. He moved obs- there when he was sixteen. Yes. How old is she? I would assume around the same age. I really need you to stop making so many goddamn assumptions right now, <laughs> sir. <laughs> sir, I'm not looking. You're at not going to tell me not- she was a sixteen-year-old wealthy widow at this point. That's not. That's not something I'm just going to accept and move on. I'll accept leather dressing, but I'm not going to accept that she was a thirteen-year-old child bride to a capitalist who died young at fourteen. That's not something it's- I can get behind. It's 1760 lower your bar for humanity. <laughs> it's, it's a very, uh, I'm a fucking Marxist. My bar is as low as it gets. That doesn't stop the fact that I don't believe you get rich at 13. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, he's 22 now. Okay, he's that 22. makes a significant difference. That's like a whole he be- lifespan. Because he became, he became leather daddy at 16. Oh. And so it's six years, six oh. years of leather working is leather, when he makes it to Leather daddy report. apprenticing. Uh, he was a wee leather baby. And he, was, he, he was a leather, leather baby. He became a leather daddy by 22. So now he's a rich 22-year-old man who has married a disgustingly wealthy widow. So like Mjolnir to Thor, the silver spoon has gone right into his mouth. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a requirement. There must be. In the Frothingham estate, there is nothing but silver cutlery. Nothing but. So also, Timothy- he absolutely needed to take her last name. Like, this is not a matter of, like, feminism or, or equality. You just, if you have the opportunity to get in on the Frothingham name, you do it. If you can upgrade from Dexter to Frothingham, you should jump the opportunity. You absolutely he did should not, however. I had forgotten that what his last name was until you just said it. And I will remember Frothingham on my deathbed. It will be my rosebud as I'm di- It will be my dying words to my son. Timothy was lucky, I mean, certainly, to stumble into such a massive fortune. He did not, however, magically gain the smarts needed to handle such a large amount of money. No, no, I think uh, C-C-R-E lottery winners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So naturally, since he's just been thrust into the elite of society, uh, people around him uh, started coming after this gullible little farmer's boy. Uh, it, so he's hanging out with the uh, the the... The Schuyler sisters from the Hamilton. Popular, yes. popular culture reference, guys. Hi. Precisely. We're here. Precisely. I'm going to nod 
because I don't know what you're talking about. His social contemporaries knew that he was a bit of a dum-dum. So at the end of the Revolutionary War, making Timothy well into his 30s by now, he made his own stupid decision and bought large amounts of something called continental currency. Uh, that, that, now guys, there were a lot of things that you threw continental in front of. There was a continental army. There was a continental Congress. Um, mm -hmm. None of them ended well. No, no Continental Navy Articles of the Confederation, we threw those fuckers out. Exactly. So, when the Revolutionary War began in 1775, this is your crash course in Continental Currency. Get ready for it. It's a whole paragraph devoted to it. In <laughs> seven, when, when the Revolutionary War began in 17... Let's turn can on we, the can Ken we, hold Burns on. Can we music. Just call this, can we just call this 17th century Bitcoin and move on? Like, Because that's what yes. it is. Okay. Yes, okay. yes. So, 17th century Bitcoin. It was in bizarre denominations of like one-sixth of a dollar up to $80, and a bunch of weird ones in between. And during the revolution, they printed like 241 million of this stuff. That's a, naturally, that's a significant amount. Yeah, naturally the currency tanked, and so with all the dollars basically worth like a fifth or seventh of their original value. So we have Timothy a one-sixth, we have, we have, it's worth, what we have one-sixth of a dollar that's worth one-seventh of its cost. This is a fucking SAT problem, and I don't like any of it. I don't like any of it, which is why we're just going to say Timothy bought a bunch of it for pennies on the dollar, almost literally. And when the U.S. government uh, saw Timothy walking up with his arms full of continental currency, like, what, do you want to buy this? They were like, okay, you know what? I like his, I like him. So they made good on the value no, of the currency. No, bullshit. This is, that is the equivalent of me walking into Dave and Buster's with a bunch of Chuck E. Cheese tokens and asking for the Huffy. That's not how this works, guys. I fully blame Alexander Hamilton for this. Fucking asshole. <laughs> I firmly blame Alexander goddamn Hamilton for this. Treasury Secretary and ass. So everyone around him was kind of shocked and enraged as Timothy Dexter, dipshit extraordinaire, uh, walked away from that stupid decision with even more money. I mean, it is exactly the Bitcoin Lambo guys if the Bitcoin didn't tank in value and they just all got to keep their Lambos and life was good for them. And if there were a lot less graphics cards. Yeah, yeah, significantly less uh, radions involved in this scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now the wealthy elites are just getting straight up predatory with him, wanting to see him crash and burn more than anything. A pair of gentlemen talked Timothy into just really putting that money to work. First, he needed to build two ships. And he was like, guys... <laughs> That's Why? so true. I will. <laughs> oh, well, he's right, going to start mind. shipping. Apparently, he's going to start shipping. Oh, he's going to get into the shipping business. Yes, he is. And they have some great ideas for what he's got to ship, what he's got to export. So first he builds the two ships, the, and he the, takes their advice to start exporting to the West Indies and Europe. Okay, okay. So we're exporting things to the Indies and Europe. Now, I, I all I know of the Indies is that we imported uh, a lot of stuff from them. Uh, what exactly is he exporting to Europe? What is the hot, hot Dexter commodity that Europe so desperately needs? First, apparently Indies is off the table because he's actually charting a course for Jamaica, they said. It's almost like he was like, he forgot what they told him and he came back and was like, <laughs> where am I going again? They're like, uh, Jamaica. And you know what they need in Jamaica? Well, they told him that they were in desperate need of mittens, cats, warming pans, and Bibles. As as you do, and and because you know when you're at the equator, mittens 
and yes. warming pans are definitely uh-huh. what you want. Now, now getting Chilly that good, good Jesus, that's all. Jesus is good for all seasons, but uh, oh, but but the rest of it does sound like complete and utter nonsense. All of those were stupid suggestions because Jamaica is a tropical climate. Religiously speaking, they were in sort. They were like losing faith hard and fast. They were losing their big JC hard and fast. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Bob Bob hadn't come around yet to to convert them over to. Timothy followed this insane advice and sent all four to the island. While his ships uh, were on the way, there was this massive religious revival sweeping through Jamaica unexpectedly. What? What? Uh, <laughs> what? what? Like the second, like there was like just the second coming happened only in Jamaica in in this two week period. That's basically what happened because the Bibles just went off the ships immediately. Oh my God! Instant I, sellout. I told so, you, Jesus is good for all seasons. Put it on Jesus- the board. <laughs> Next, a Russian fleet was in the area and bought up all the mittens to ship them home. You have got to be kidding me. You you know. Why? Why? Why are the Russians there? What are they doing over here? It is very warm in Jamaica. The Russians are not acclimatized for that. They do not like warm things. They are a cold people. It's what endears them to me so much. And... And you might be thinking, okay, so he's gotten lucky on the mittens and the Bibles. Surely the other things were still stupid, right? Also, because I don't know what the fuck a warming plate is. Like, this is, is that the thing you put in between the bed sheets for the bougie girls to have warm beds? I think it is. I'm not positive, And I'm going to make, like, the fifth assumption of the podcast. I w- God damn it. What research are you doing? I do a lot of research, but I'm not looking at all of my sources as I tell you this. Context, man. Context. <laughs> The cats were a welcome solution to a rat infestation that was happening unbeknownst to the U.S. I, yeah, fucking, why not? Why not? I also didn't realize that cats was a thing. I thought you said caps, like, to go with the mittens. <laughs> um, and the fact that we had a bunch of, like, if there's one thing I know about cats, is that you don't want to take them on a car trip across town to the vet, let alone try and get them wrestled into a boat to go on a, on a boat journey. They do not like the water. They're quite welcome on boats because they eat all the rats. I stand by that they may be welcome, but they don't want to be there. That's that's factual. It's I not mean, like, like you can tell them. It's not like you can tell them. But there's rats on this boat. Come on, like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> well, what other option do they have? They're prisoners of the sea. <laughs> Apparently. But I'm expecting a Spartacus-like cat uprising where where a, a, a strong Fievel Goes West cat character rises up and uh, leads them. Aristocats would have been a much better uh, reference there. Um, but uh, Don't worry. I'll cover your fall by saying that the bedpans, the bedpans, not the bedpans, the, the warming pans. The bedpans are absolutely what you pee into. The warming pans. The warming pans were the perfect tool for skimming molasses as a as a farmer had discovered around this time and so he bought all of them and timothy (sighs) made a profit because so this is literally the luckiest i mean he is literally he's just playing yahtzee with things to ship none of them make any sense and they're if you tried to do this if you were doing this trade in civilization you would be getting like negative culture off the deal it would not be going well for you not at all. Not at all. And obviously everyone in Newport, Newburyport, my bad, how dare I, Newberry lost, Port, yep. lost their goddamn minds. <laughs> As well they should have, honestly. M- most especially the two dudes that told him to do this. <laughs> yeah, this definitely feels like a, like, a, like a Simpsons episode or something like that. 
Uh, this absolutely like feels like not not real in how concocted it feels. And next, since Timothy was so gracious for their advice, they did him another solid and recommended that he ship some coal to Newcastle, England. Now, I, I now telling me that you're shipping, you know, winter coats to Jamaica unless they were going to. God, I should have made a cool runnings joke back there. Go retcon, <laughs> retcon in me saying something about John Candy. Um, make sure that that's in there because absolutely. It's, okay, good, good. Um, yeah, I, I the the inherent idea of shipping coal to Newcastle doesn't jump out as something that should be. It's like Newcastle, like built on a mountain of coal because of the way this guy's been going, that's the only thing that makes sense. Now, you might not know this because you're not 200 years old, but ship coal to Newcastle was kind of like an idiom for the day. Newcastle, England, is built on coal. It's all they have. (laughs) It's the center of coal mining for the whole country. So if you ship coal to Newcastle, you're fucked because there's so much supply. You'd sell it for nothing. Okay. So, yeah. So it's exactly what I would have. It's exactly what a bad sitcom writer you write this plot as is. And so, how does this hilariously backfire on Mr. Roper and uh, and we get a Three's Company style goof out of it? How does this happen? So, Timothy ships seven full ships full of coal to Newcastle. Where did he get the extra five? Did he buy them with the cat money? Fuck. I was saying, he made a lot of money on the Jamaican Apparently. He did so. During a rather um, unprecedented coal miners strike, you've got to, oh no, 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 no. So not only is this guy a dumb, dumb, bougie, married into the rich family guy, now he's, he's also a, a fucking scab. scab? <laughs> now he's, he's a, a fucking scab. union buster. What the fuck? <laughs> excels at an unprecedented rate you've oh my god this is the most coal has ever sold for in newcastle this is this is the dump this is so bad this is so bad on so many levels timothy had also come into a large supply of whalebone seemingly by accident as he didn't intend to get it uh like he just opened up the amazon box and is like man i got drunk and ordered a fuck ton of whale skeleton this is pretty much he pretty much did like a 1700s drunk order off Amazon, he and he got he whalebone. Was he friends with those weird uh, Civil War pirates who uh, time traveled back after their weird whale murder spree? <laughs> those Confederado whale hunters. <laughs> <laughs> now, when he had to, he, he went to liquidate the stock because what are you going to do with all that whalebone? Of course, he was it's- like, ah, oh, well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get rid of this for a loss. Turns out there was a nearby tailor who had just discovered that whalebone made an excellent support for corsets. God damn, I am killing it tonight. Once again, sold at a profit. This is, I mean, this is literally the one guy who made money off of Pokemon cards, Beanie Babies, and <laughs> and uh, at this point, Bitcoin. It's like if one yeah. guy had, had made it through all of these ludicrously bad, like ideas that on their face are, you're a moron, why are you investing in this? And it's the one guy who won every single time. Yep, and he set the precedent for all of these people to, to try and follow in his footsteps, and all of their lives were ruined. The fu- Oh, you mean the 100% story of America? The one yes. guy got lucky, <laughs> so all of you throw your lives away, convincing yourself that you will also mm-hmm. be that one guy who gets lucky. And except in this case, the one guy for each of those things is the same guy. Yes. He's the same guy who's pulled up. He's got Which is lucky why on it's it. even more improbable. Stop. Tr- on- this man is obviously cursed with a monkey's paw. Stop trying to emulate him. Now, Timothy richer and richer and richer was rarely invited to any high society events. 
Oh. Because nobody liked him. This feels like a Sneetches situation. Do they, th- they don't like him because he's a poor boy. They don't have li- stars yeah, exactly. pod bars. Exactly. He wanted to be like the rich folk, and once he was, they were like, mm, we don't like, no. It's he not cool to now Sylvester that you've done it. Bean's magical star on machine, and then all the Sneetches with stars got all snooty and said that, now nah, we're going to get them off of ours. You're only impressing me because I grew up watching that. Twice, guys. <laughs> we grew up in a household where it was played on loop. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, constantly. I've, I, I I had a lot of weird, uh, very sub- subversive, uh, uh, inclusionary propaganda pumped into my brain on repeat twenty four seven. Thanks to a sibling with severe autism, Nathan and I have picture perfect memories for a lot of like kids content. Yep, a yep, lot yep, of yep. it. Yep, and, so, and, uh, and it's weird that the two that most ringingly stand with me are A Bug's Life and The Sneetches, which I think also explains the Marxism. I was going to say, both of those are classist commentaries. So, uh-huh. trying to emulate their lifestyle, trying to get closer to them, Timothy buys a massive manor in Newburyport from Nathan Tracy. I don't know who that is, but it felt important. I, I, I was about to say, is he going to recur, or is this a MacGuffin? No, that's it. That's okay. just him. All right, no Chekhov's gun here. Nathan Tracy's not coming back, guys. <laughs> So all he also starts going by <laughs> I forgot about this part. He also starts going by Lord Timothy Dexter around this point. <laughs> I mean, it would only be better if he went by his actual rich boy name, which is Lord Timothy Frothingham. And most folks agreed to call him this out of like a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. Sort of like Emperor Norton. I was about to say, sort of sort of like a a, a reverse. Like we did it out of Emperor Norton out of like weird begrudging amusement at the poor schizophrenic man and this is more as like a derisive thing at the guy who genuinely wants to be liked so he really he really is like a bizarro emperor norton because norton was a super rich dude that became dirt poor and then this guy is a dirt poor man that became super rich please tell me he has a weird goatee I think he does. He, okay. has, he has weird facial hair. He does have very I mean, weird facial at, hair. It's the 1700s. Weird facial hair is kind of a de facto thing. It's kind thing. of a norm, actually. So. I was about to say, so weird facial hair would be like being clean shaven. By this point, he had a son and a daughter with his wife. Uh, but somewhere around this time, the family started to suffer a little bit relationship-wise. You know, the, the good times are over. Um, uh, uh, what what good times? All the times that Daddy went on like eccentric benders and and ended up trying to sell nonsense stuff. Well, Timothy started to you know he started to get bored of his wife. He really was tired of her. You know, he, ah, uh, dude, don't bite the hand that made you a Frothingham. Um, and he manifested his distaste for his wife. Um, by just he just started introducing her to people as the ghost of his dead wife. Well, now, okay, so now we have a couple different things here because I feel like the Emperor Norton comparisons are, are the, the Venn diagram is overlapping because that <laughs> is not a mean thing to do. That's it's a psychotic thing. That is a psychotic thing to do. <laughs> Just pretended she was dead all the time and most especially in front of other people. I'm the go- That's like the superego skit where the boy is the ghost of a Victorian child. Like, that's, that's nonsense. This is the Victorian ghost of my dead wife. This is ridiculous. When he became paranoid that people didn't like him enough, he faked his own death. I mean, now that is, again, this is a sitcom. This man's life is a sitcom because you are just hitting plot points. Like, this is season three, episode nine of Dexter. It goes off the rails, and we go to Dexter's own funeral so that he can feel good about himself. 300 people showed up to his fake wake, uh, where he late. 
He laid very still in the coffin. No, um, no, 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 no. He didn't actually do. That's not how you do this, dude. You go close casket. You don't go open casket. No, he you was open He was open casket because he needed to listen. And when he decided that his wife wasn't mourning him hard enough, he jumped out of the coffin and started chasing her around the room, trying to cane her. So, so the ghost of the dead Dexter is chasing the ghost of his dead wife in a weird yes. Scooby-Doo style whodunit. Yes, yes, trying to beat the ghost of his wife with a cane because she wasn't crying hard enough. That I assume he was buried, being buried. With. The cane was just in the coffin with him. <laughs> yes, for sure it was. Okay. And last, but certainly not least, there's his memoirs. Oh, no. Uh, because we've established this man is a dum-dum, so I, uh, I, I don't want to know what he wrote. Oh, Nathan, I really, really wish I owned a copy of his book. <laughs> I really, really do. I would probably display it on my bookshelf. you gems out of print? It was very popular. I have not, I'll admit, I haven't tried hard enough to find a copy. If I do, it's going to be my cloud. It's going to be my this, cloud the crab. This this also just is, is par for the course for this episode. Spencer, a thing he's interested in, but doesn't want to make any real effort towards. <laughs> you know what, God damn it! I'm here. The Spencer Faust story. I'm passionate, I'm here almost, but I don't really give a fuck. I'm here almost every week. <laughs> Again, put very my hours brand. in. Put my hours in. I hate, I hate how painfully true that was. <laughs> that I'm, that I'm very passionate, but I also don't give a fuck. <laughs> At age, f- fuck you. At age, 50. oh god damn it! You At are age- everything. You are everything they they pretend millennials are. You bastard! Why are you doing? You're the one giving At us age- a bad name. At age 50, he penned a book called A Pickle for the Knowing Ones. Are you... What? (laughs) This man had a stroke at some point. That's not a sentence. Or it was sometimes alternatively titled Plain Truth in a Homespun Dress. It was subtitled by his ghostwriter who obviously had to write it down because a pickle for the knowing folk is like his weird Charlie Kelly pictogram that he wrote on a on a sheet of like parchment. That's not Tr- he didn't write this. Trust me, nobody could have written it but him because in this book he complains about politicians, the clergy, and of course his dead wife's ghost. Um <laughs> had she died at this point at least? No. Oh, of course no. not. Now, the book was about 9,000 words with random capitalization and literally no punctuation whatsoever. Uh, so a Twitter post. He wrote He wrote a 9,000-word Twitter post. It's that SpongeBob meme where the capitalization kind of varies. It's that, but no punctuation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's raving about politicians and clergy and his terrible ghost wife. Uh- <laughs> he also gave the book out for free. And that of course, is a bad business model, Mr. Businessman. That is a bad business model. Well, listen, he's nine for ten on good business models. <laughs> no, no, he's not. Y- you say you say they're bad models. He's turned nothing but profit. Again, he's in the one person. The model is awful. You're just an outlier every single time. You go with what works, and this works for him. So he gave the book out for free, and of course, folks immediately said, Timothy, this book is so great, but it's also a fucking nightmare to read. <laughs> because I it doesn't make sense how... You didn't put the periods or the commas, <laughs> any of them. You know, those are those are minor uh, inventions. They make they make things readable. They they make up the written language. 
It's just a little effort goes a long way, Timothy. And so and Timothy said, I shall give the masses what they want. In the second edition of the book, which was backed by popular demand, everyone loved the book. Timothy added an extra page at the end with 13 lines of punctuation marks. No, 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 And the instructions and the instructions to salt and pepper them in as you please. Uh, No, just no. If you're so smart, fucking do it yourself. Also, for the record, people, the initial Google search for this book, there's a fucking PDF of it. It's the first link. I want a hard copy. Oh, fuck you. Fuck you for excusing your laziness. I want a hard copy. (laughs) The book was reprinted eight times with much success. You are not, guys. It's important. He's not lying. There's no fucking punctuation in here. None, this is literally none. You can't read is, it. It's a nightmare. <laughs> in it, the only way you could possibly like intuit punctuation is to look at what he capitalizes, and even that <laughs> is complete nonsense. Um, <laughs> just complete, absolute, utter bullshit. Um, oh my god, this is a nightmare. This is literally. This is what. This is a the like. In the various Dante circles of hell, this is where <laughs> online grammar Nazis go when they've been bad. It's, and the thing is, in the, like, citations, in the dates and stuff like that, he puts fucking commas. He knows what they are. He's not afraid of them. Just He just chooses not to use it. There's a semicolon in here. What the fuck? <laughs> the only piece of punctuation. What the absolute this absolute mad lad? Okay, so so Lord Timothy Dexter died on October twenty third, eighteen oh six. His house was turned into a hotel for a short time, uh, but a massive storm destroyed most of his estate at two oh one High Street, Newburyport, Massachusetts. Look it up. It's it it's still the house. Mo- some of the house is still there. Some dude like restored it. I think it's a historical house, but. My favorite quote of his, if I may, to cap this episode off. I am the first in the East, the first in the West, and the greatest philosopher of the Western world. Guys. None of those things are true. Guys, page 32 is literally, literally just uh, infinite punctuation. It's And pepper it in as you please. I I mean, there's one, two, three. There's like 12 lines of commas. Like six lines of semicolons, like four lines of colons. There's a lot of exclamation points in here, guys. And then hyphens. He put a lot of hyphens in there. Um, and he put more of those than he did anything. Like there's there's very little period. I don't. I I I can't live in a world that this also <laughs> exists. Also, what's more disturbing than anything else. Um, is that this is an obviously scanned in version of this book. They took a hard copy of it and digitized it in the, in the fun Gutenberg project to try and create all books. Um, and, and the last page of this scan is the library card for the book from the New York public library (laughs) reference department. Now one, why the fuck is this book in the reference department? Because that insinuates that it's sitting next to like an encyclopedia and no, 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 no. It also says 
This book is under no circumstances to be taken from the building. And that absolutely is because it's cursed. It is cursed. It is cursed with whatever gin put put a curse on this man to live the life he did. Do not come near it. It is an eldritch horror. Holy fuck, I am dumber for having looked at it. This has been the Cock and Bull Podcast. You can catch us every Wednesday, except for the ones that you cannot, as evidenced by this past week. Uh, we want to thank Dripless Pony Club for allowing us to use their song. There were Buffalo in the Ark comes off the album Cholera. I've got a new show coming up. It's called Blunder Phonics. It's coming soon. I'm not going to say it's out yet or even by the time you hear this. We're working on it. <laughs> Jack and I's schedules don't line up. When it does come out, it's probably going to be every other week. Just based on <laughs> yeah. how rarely we can record it. At least we'll just at least we'll be honest and co- you'll commit to that one. <laughs> <laughs> which means that's... which means guys get ready for once a month Blunder Phonics. <laughs> Quarterly blunder phonics. <laughs> so biannually, every fiscal year, you can look forward to a new blunder phonics. It's going to be it's going to be kind of like this show oh, we go, God. but it's into the production of music, Haley's, albums that had Haley's crazy Comet, stories. Guys, when Haley's Comet returns in the sky again, look Mark up. Twi- Mark Twain endorses this show for coming around when his old soul crawls out of the dirt. Blunderphonics, go listen to it. It is it is going to be good. I am confident, even though I've heard none of it. You know what? I've only I've only heard a little bit of it. So, Nathan, I understand you have a plug. I I am over on Mark's Madness. We, me and David, uh, frequent collaborator on on the the, the cock and the bull, um, uh, shows up and we uh, we yell about Marxism. Uh, we just got done, well, just a month ago, got done yelling about Capital. That's all done if you want to listen to that. And uh, we're working on uh, the state and revolution right now. And uh, and people people seem to enjoy it. It's, uh, it's a good time over there. So, so you know, none of them have reviewed it. So if, uh, if, if, if you could get the review army mobilized here to go over to Mark's Madness and give me some damn uh, iTunes reviews. So they, I'm convinced that we're getting deep stated and they're just they're suppressing us but that's fine we'll deal with that probably later. some podgate probably podgate going There's on absolutely here. the ghost of steve jobs is angry at me and is is suppressing me <laughs> it's highly educational i would recommend getting into it if it doesn't give you painful anxiety so i, I was about to say spencer says it's educational he's listened to like four episodes let's stop let's be real it here, gives me painful shakes <laughs> That's the best endorsement I could ever get, actually. (laughs) All right, you can catch us next week, probably. Hopefully. Bye!